Hour number two of Sports Talk begins with Jimmy Hyams. I'm John Wilkerson, and it's a pleasure to welcome to the program Vince Ferrara, who uh, was kind enough to pinch it for me as I got to go to Catholic's region game, as I use the air quotes, <laughs> west of Nashville. Two-hour, 45-minute drive away to uh, see Ensworth and Tennessee on Friday. I will say this, and there's nothing to say that this means anything specifically, but it was a pretty neat picture to see Cooper Mays, Keyshawn Lawrence, and Tyler Barron take a group photo together after mm. the game. Mm. Could connect the dots for the future there. Could very well. But, again, not to put any, but they, they took the time to get together and make that photo after Ensworth posted the, the solid win. And I'll say this, Lawrence is a ball player. Yeah, Both sides of the ball, it was really something to watch him play. Well, I, I would guess that there's a lot of people paying attention to that game with all the college prospects between the two sides, especially, you know, obviously with Tennessee, a lot of interest there. But, man, both of those teams are really good. Yeah, so it was a, it, it was an entertaining game. Catholic scored first. It was 7 nothing going to the second. The, uh, the Tigers made the absolute most of, of what were four Catholic turnovers for the second straight game. It didn't bite them as they got the win in Kentucky against Fort Thomas Highlands, but... They scored 19 points in the second quarter, and then Catholic missed out on opportunities when it had the football or the chance to get the football back in a five-point deficit. They had one drive where they possessed the ball, and they were down five in the second half, and they uh, weren't able to sustain that one. Since you guys were a little bit later starting, and our game was over pretty quickly yeah. with uh, West riding Carnes, I heard some of it driving home, some of your call, and that punt return that was fumbled after Catholic had scored in that fourth quarter, man, that was that was just devastating. It was, and uh, and you also had the, uh, not that there's ever a good time for an unsportsmanlike or personal foul penalty, but you had the opportunity to get off the field and, and get the ball back down five at the time, and... It was a new set of downs, new life for Ensworth, and they did what good teams do, and they made the most of it. But it was something to watch. Uh, those two teams square off, and we'll see what it's like. The The next game for Catholic, they're open this week. And, Jimmy, we were talking about, and this was my bad, uh, Michigan and Wisconsin, it is the next game for both, for uh, for Michigan, but it'll be after an open date. Yes, and so the, I think that's going to be an intriguing game Michigan at Wisconsin, that uh, I think that's going to be really a lot of fun to watch. I, right now, I would take Wisconsin. Yes. So uh, you you have, let's see, Wisconsin is open this week and then takes on Michigan in Madison on September 21st. So, Vince, the opportunity, if you would, just share a little bit. What was it like to hear from a couple of Tennessee freshmen? Well, both of them very well spoken. Um, Henry Toto just it, – He's a he just had a great smile on his face, good-looking kid, very respectful, and um, you know talked about you know, just being away from his family. His family's been able to go to the first two games. Of course, he's from California, so far away from family, but family is very important to him, and and I think that's that's huge that he's had a chance to to have his family in town for the first two home games. Air Gray, very impressive as well, just great energy. And knew, you know, knowing that, hey, we have to, you know, we have to get to work. But he said uh, that it was, it's been really cool to, you know, for him to get the opportunity. He loves the sort of the tandem that he's in with Todd Chandler. And I think those two are excellent at it. I also asked him about Jeremy Pruitt saying that, 
you know, they needed a bigger back to help them get some of those tough uh, short yardage situations. And if he thought that they could do it on their own, he's like, absolutely. We, we can, we can do it, you know, even without a, a bigger back. So he's like, he said, I, I, you know, I have to read my, my keys better. And so, and a couple other things. So he felt like, Hey, there's things that we can do to help us execute in those short yardage situations without the benefit of the big back. I think if you have a physical dominant offensive line, then I think it's easy. Then you can gain yards and short yardage without a big back. Where the big back helps you is when you're not getting always getting a push on the line, and then you need a guy after contact to fall forward and get some yards, which is what Pruitt's talking about. Unfortunately, they have they have neither one of them. They don't have a big physical offensive line nor a big back. And if the running backs aren't picking the right hole, or if they have in some cases nowhere to go then it's going to be difficult. So that that's, I think, what Pruitt's talking about. Not just a big back. That's not the only way to get short yardage. But because of their offensive line, they need a big back. And they don't have either one. Jimmy, I, I'm i sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think because they don't have either one, that's why they ran an end around late in the game trying to pick up fourth and one. Yeah. So go ahead. No, I was just going to say, I, when Daniel Batuli gets back, I wonder if Jeremy Pruitt's answer to getting a big back, <clears throat> excuse me, will be to give Jer- Jeremy Banks a look back at running back. I think so, and here's why. Pruitt said at the quarterback club, we have a lot of guys that are willing. He said, I moved Jeremy Banks to linebacker because of we had a need over there because of injuries. Mm-hmm. And he said, I asked him, give me one more week at linebacker, and then we can move you back to running back. Okay, Doesn't that sound like when Batuli's back, Banks is going to offense? Absolutely. That's what I thought. So, yes, I do think they'll try Banks at running back. There's been no indication, to my knowledge, that Banks has had any fumble problems in the spring or in August camp. Right. So I don't think that was the issue. I think it was the depth at linebacker as to why they moved him there. I think I think in preseason camp, in shooting, doing video for the running backs, I think I only remember a couple of balls being on the ground among the running back drills when we did get a chance to see him, and both of them were Ty Chandler. And, of course, he had the issues in the first game. But Ty Chandler, much better. In, not, in game two, obviously running the football. But just little things. When Before he broke clear on his big 50-plus yard run, Two hands on the football until he got he got free into the sideline and then held the the ball on the outs on the outside arm. So he he is very cognizant of protecting the football. He ran like a guy that didn't want to lose his spot. Very motivated and and that's the kind of Todd Chandler that that they need. And also, I thought he did a pretty good job of yards after contact, better than his numbers were in yards after contact a year ago. He said after the game when I asked him, he said he was motivated against BYU because he got benched in the second half against Georgia State. Right. To your point. Right. Let's get a call from David. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, David. Hello, gentlemen. How are y'all today? Fine. How are you? Doing well. Thank you for taking my call. Let me take off speaker here. Sorry about that. All right. No problems. Um, um, I have a, a kind of a scenario. If we were to put our – let's put our AD hats on and, and – the people who have the financial means that kind of make decisions. If you're if you're listening to your coach during the first two games talk about, well, we didn't do our job, we didn't coach him up, we didn't have an answer for this, 
and knowing that your your you and your staff make five point three eight million dollars a year as a as a combined is that the best thing to tell your fan base how would you how would you guys go around how would you guys try to calm a fan base when you've got coach when you've got your head coach going well we just kind of dropped the ball on that <laughs> especially for that kind of money well I'll say this I much prefer a coach that says we didn't get the job done and we didn't get the job done in these areas as opposed to saying we thought the plan was solid. And, David, you may be paraphrasing, you may be paraphrasing, but I I don't remember Jeremy Pruitt saying that we didn't coach him up and, you know, we dropped the ball ball on it. I I think he is, he's pointed back at himself and said, everybody needs to look in the mirror. You know, some of the players after the Georgia state game, I think added to the question marks with some of the things they were saying, but I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't put it all as gospel. Some of it is just what they what they put out in press conference settings. That doesn't mean that that they aren't doing they're doing the exact same thing behind the walls. It's just like with with people's uh, you know the his demeanor. People saying, "Oh, he doesn't have any fire in the in the press conferences." The most important fire is with his football team, not in talking to the media. So I I don't think it's the same thing. David, you asked to put on the AD hat, and I would think if I hired this guy and he's never been a head coach at this level before, I'm expecting a learning curve. I expect him to make some mistakes in year one. I don't want to see a lot of those same mistakes or as many mistakes in year two. Uh, and we'll see where this thing goes forward. But uh, I do appreciate Pruitt saying I'm not pointing fingers at anybody. I'm pointing at myself. i got to do a better job. Year, year. Yeah, and you can so rest you're, assured. You're, you can rest assured, as Vince was talking about, we don't have the first idea what the conversations are like behind the scenes, and it, I would not be surprised at all if there haven't been conversations with Coach Fulmer and Jeremy Pruitt. Just in, I mean, not necessarily in passing, but post game, pre game, you name it. As far as uh, there's a fine line to walk. You don't want to act like as a former football coach that you're just staring over someone's shoulder and, you know, kind of shaking your head. I don't know that I'd do that, anything along those lines. But exactly. I, I think I do think that, that Coach Fulmer is well aware of what each team for each program that is at the University of Tennessee, their ideas for the season that they're competing in, uh, strengths, weaknesses, and what works and what hasn't worked. I think he is. I think he's hands on, and I. I think he loves that aspect of being a coach is talking with other coaches about their respective teams and sports. And David, because Philip Fulmer has done it, I think that only adds to the patience. Like Jimmy was talking about, that there's a learning curve, that he's that there's things they need to figure out. That only adds to it. It doesn't uh, speed up the the impatience, so to speak. So um, he's been through it. He understands it. And it's also his hire, which also adds to the patience. Again, so I, I know there, I know kind of what you're getting getting at here, but I I don't think that the where the fan frustration is with Jeremy Pruitt in the start of the season, it's frustrating for Tennessee and Philip Fulmer, no doubt. But I don't think there's far along the lines of of those conversations as maybe what some fans might want. No, I agree with you. It's just a conversation that me and my coworkers were having, and mm-hmm. I think and Jimmy was kind of where the, was driving at the point that I was, I guess that I was coming at it from was, you expect the first year, hey, okay, he's never been a head coach, we got to give him some slack, 
you know, just like if you were to step up from from being on the floor to being the supervisor position, you don't know what it is. You've got to you've got to kind of you got to give us give them some time. But at the same time, you're in you're in your second year. Now, all of a sudden, you're you, do you want to keep making that same mistake over? And, and, you know, are you seeing a repeating pattern? Is this a repeating from last, you know, from the end of the season? Are we carrying that over even though we've had, you know, time to work on this and practice this and say, hey, look, we're not going to do this. <laughs> this is not an option. <laughs> so, but either way, you know, I, 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 I think people – I hear fans saying, you know, we need to get rid of him. I think that's the dumbest idea ever. <laughs> I think we need to give him the time to, to do what he needs to do. And, David, another factor is going to be the attendance. What's that like the rest of the way? Because now if you're having conversations like that, that now complicates things when you start talking about losing mil- millions of dollars in home attendance oh. if the if the stadium is half empty and it looks really bad in the second half of games. Not saying it's going to be that way, but – that's another with factor that in seat, yeah without a button to seat you're not getting the revenue so and that's right. that might be the ultimate decision there too so right so but, either way well the guys i do appreciate it hope y'all have a good day you too david thank you very much 656-9900 656-9900 that's how you join sports talk the king of beer the king of sports Live from the Budweiser studios of Cumulus Broadcasting, this is Sports Radio WNML. Our guest, Vince Ferrara, to join us, 656 9900. 656-9900. It's Keith who's up next. Hello, Keith. Hey, guys. How's it going? Doing well. And you? Good. I hope my signal stays on this time so I can so I can talk. Uh, guys, I, I've, I've been to over 360 games. Tennessee basketball, baseball, and football is uh, – that's what my recreation is, you know. And uh, I enjoy it, love it. I consider myself an investor when I got over a quarter million dollars involved in it in my – 40 years of going to games. And uh, I got – there's some there's certain things that are happening with us that just keep happening. Number one, we lose two or three players in August every year to injuries. I mean, it's a, I can't remember the last year that, that we didn't lose two or three players or starters, you know, right before the season starts. And uh, and then, uh, you know, we have a lot of unfortunate penalties. We, we lose targeting calls. I remember – in 2016, the game we almost lost, that Josh Jaws made a, I think uh, the, the the middle linebacker Cam Sutner's, uh, whoever our good middle linebacker was, uh, on a punt return, got ejected for targeting. You know that's how that game was started. Jennings so Maben, yes it was. Yeah, that was. Yeah, he got ejected. I mean, it's just stupid stuff that goes on in the month of August and September. How how many games is it going to take? For us to figure out, I mean, the Georgia game, we still won that anyway, but we should have lost on a Hail Mary. Uh, the Florida game down there, and then and then last week, it's just uh, it's the same. It just seems like it's the same two or three things in uh, in August and September every year. It gets us off to a rough start. And what's and crazy is and it, you've got three different defensive coordinators in the instances you're 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 citing, which is mind-boggling. Yeah. That again, you fall victim to the same thing because. 
three different defensive coordinators, three different varying levels of how long they had been a defensive coordinator. And so, yeah, there is no rhyme or reason to that. And, and on top of that, we can't hit field goals in 2016. Aaron Melly, he, he missed so many field goals. It's, it's unbelievable. And he hate to just point to him. But I'm just talking, that's just another aspect. Now, the, the kicker we've got now is doing great. So that's, that's one way we've improved. But, uh, I mean, it's just unbelievable that stupid penalties like targeting or, you know, getting into it with your girlfriend in a dormitory and stuff like that, that's, uh, where we, we have our maybe the next Eric Berry potential potentially uh, that's not playing right now. Just a lot of crazy stuff. But you know what bothers me more than any of it? Uh, uh, you know, for, for 25 years, Jimmy, uh, there's two things that bothers me. Number one is our defensive backs can't seem to turn around. That seems to be better, a little bit better. They can't seem to turn around on long passes. But the other thing, uh, the other two things that bothers me is whenever it's third and 27, it's more likely than not that the other team's going to get it. I mean, for some reason, when it's long yardage, and we've got them pinned back, uh, you know, and then uh, I remember, uh, I think it was Alvin Kamara or somebody down at Florida, he did the Gator. The Gators do the Gator chop right in your face all day long. He does one in the end zone, and we get that penalty after that touchdown costs us a game. But what bothers me more than anything is those stupid-looking pilgrim shoes. I (laughs) I hate those black shoes. I don't think anybody likes them. They make us look like nerds. I mean, I, I just, uh, you know, Jimmy, do you know of any other school that changes their uniforms when a when a coach becomes a coach and they get the authority just to change the uniforms around like Tennessee lets their coaches do? I mean, I don't know of any other college where where, where that happens. I mean, you know, you know, and uh, uh, I asked Jeremy Pruitt's baseball game last year before the season started. He, I said, whose decision was it? Go back to stupid, ugly black cleats. He said, it was mine. I said, you're telling me Fulmer didn't say that to you? No, nope, it was my decision. You know, and, and, and we don't like it, okay? We I think those pilgrim shoes are, are fine at Thanksgiving. I have no problem with that. Yeah. Come yeah. on, Keith. I mean, Jimmy, uh, you know, why don't you tell, why don't you tell Heather, to uh, her two or three kids she's got, to dress them up in black so- black shoes and white socks and and, and, uh, and shorts everywhere she goes. Just to, it just don't look good, you know, and I'm okay. sick of it, really. And I tell and you know what? Perry says, everybody says, oh, gosh, Keith, you're so stupid for saying that, that that's good luck or bad luck. When Jeremy Pruitt made the comment, well, nobody feared Tennessee like when they saw those black cleats coming. So, you know, I mean, do you think a coach has a right to change our uniforms? That's my question to you, and I'll hang up with it. Okay. Um, The answer to that would be not really, but Phil Knight does it at Oregon. Yeah. (laughs) They come out. Of course, they kind of started all that, I guess. John Kelly was the, uh, the guilty party on the Gator Chomp that cost Tennessee. I'm I'm glad we got a chance that we gave Keith a chance to vent a little bit. I mean, that's a long list of yeah. stuff that's happened through the years that yeah. that have gotten to him. And as far as the uniform, it impacts if it impacts recruiting, it, the head coach is going to be involved. And if uh, uniforms, the looks, stuff like that, if they think that it's a positive for for kids in recruiting for them, they're gonna they're gonna do it. I look, I agree that white socks with the black shoes, it's not really, you know, that you can get called on, uh, arrested by the fashion police at times. If it's just regular, you're walking out there, the the black on black wouldn't make more sense. But whatever, this uh, this isn't about luck or 
or look. This is about lack of depth and not being able to, because of that, you can't overcome some of the things that happen. Georgia and other schools, they have season-ending injuries to guys too, but Tennessee didn't have the, the depth because right. of the lack of success they've Alabama. had. Yeah. Yeah. Alabama. Especially at, at one position, you lose two linebackers for the season before mm-hmm. you ever get to the first snap of the year. And I know exactly where Keith's coming from and where Tennessee is as a program. Your margin for error is minute at right. this point in time. You need everything to go your way. You need to play your best game in order to start accumulating conference victories. And it wouldn't hurt if the other side winds up with some adversity. But once you miss that opportunity, or you make it more difficult with a stupid penalty or falling victim to once again letting somebody get behind you in the secondary, even though, again, that was three different defensive coordinators that he was talking about with the specific examples. I mean, that's where the window, you've got teams that have, I mean, for instance, Georgia should, they look at it the other way. Georgia should have won that game because they had the late score before Tennessee hit the Hail Mary. They were the ones that fell victim to it. But Georgia's been in a position where, as Vince, you're pointing, they've got depth where they can overcome injuries. And they also have the capability on offense and defense that, okay, they give up a bad play here or have a missed assignment there. They're going to present themselves with another opportunity to make up for it. Tennessee gets just a handful of chances to win these games against conference opposition. They made it work when they won at Auburn last year. They made the absolute most of their opportunities, limited what Auburn could do to get back and win that game, and then just took over the Kentucky game and and pushed the Wildcats around who were coming off a disappointing loss for them. They had just lost their shot at the Eastern Division when the two teams met last year. To Georgia. I I think what I heard out of Keith was not frustrating frustration starting in 2018. That's frustration going back to 2008 mm-hmm. or before. He mentioned, what, 360 games? So this is building up. Yeah, but it's understandable uh, because you just see these different things that give you the, the death by a thousand paper cuts feel. And another thing. And so, <laughs> Keith, hate that you find yourself in that space. And uh, hang in there. We'll get a break and be back with more. With Vince Farrar, our guest, I'm John Wilkerson with Jimmy Hyams. This is Sports Talk. Sports Talk continues. Vince Ferrara sitting in for hour number two of today's program. 656-9900 is how you join us. 656-9900. It's Justin who's up next. Hello, Justin. Hi, guys. How are y'all? Fine. And yourself? I'm doing fine. <clears throat> I, uh, I wanted to talk about, uh, number one, the uh, coaching situation, um, I think personally we need to leave that coaching staff alone. Um, it's only been two games. Um, you know, the, the team is working with a whole new staff from last year. We have a lot of freshmen coming in that they're working with a whole new staff too. You know, um, personally, I think we just need to leave them alone, let them do their job, and uh, see where it goes from there. And then um, number two with uh, Garantano, um, me, I think that it might be he's not putting in um, – and, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, but 
it seems to me he's not putting in the work that he should be. He, um, it seems like he's he's definitely not looking over the field. He's he's just it seems like he's just looking at one receiver. He he has this in his mind before he even snaps the ball. I'm wanting to throw it to Juwan or I'm wanting to throw it to Callaway and or Wood Anderson and. Before he even snaps it, before he even snaps the ball, he's thinking in his mind he's going to throw it to that one person. And watching him, that's what it seems like he's doing. And he watches them run their whole route. And then for the defense, um, they see that. They see his eyes. And they know exactly where he's going. And um, also about the uniforms that Keith was talking about, I like the uniforms. They they seem like a, a little bit of a throwback. Um I like them, and uh, I just wanted to get y'all's opinion, basically, on, um, you know, if, or if y'all know anything about how hard Garantano, Garantano might be working um, in practice or what have you, or if y'all know, because, um, you know, uh, you know, like Peyton Manning, he was always watching film. He was always doing something, uh, you know, to improve his game. And uh, I was just um, – wanting to uh, get y'all's opinion on that, and um, I, I listen to y'all guys every day. I'm a truck driver, and uh, I appreciate what you do, and I appreciate um, y'all uh, giving us insight on the game, and I'll hang up and let y'all uh, talk about it. Justin, we sure do appreciate it. Wish you safe travels. Thank you so much for listening. Justin, I've heard nothing to indicate that Jerry Garantano does not put in the work necessary to be a really good quarterback. I think he's a Student of the game, I think he's trying, and I don't think it's for a lack of effort. I know that he's met with Pruitt a lot. He's met with Cheney a lot. I don't think that's an issue. But I also say this, too, and, and I think Tennessee has a good coaching staff, but that doesn't mean they're not immune to making a mistake here or there. And I think they've made some mistakes in the first two games, in particular with the defensive alignment late in the game against Brigham Young. Right. As far as Garantano, Jimmy, you only hear the complete opposite, that he's a gym rat. Everybody says that about him that he wants it if anything he may want it too much to where his mind ties up in in his desire ties up his mind because he wants to do things so well even greg McElroy, when i went back and watched the broadcast he mentioned that at times that that, that jim cheney had told him that at times he lets a bad play kind of linger because he feels so bad about it. Mm-hmm. So th- those are all things that are between the ears. I don't think it's a work ethic thing. Now, what Justin brought up about him staring down receivers, missing receivers, those things are are true. But I don't think it's a work ethic thing. I think it's executing all that he's got to process at the position all uh, per- footwork progression pat uh the protections uh all these things that he's got on his plate now and he's got more on his plate this year which was supposed to help him but and Chris Winky I think was, was had had talked about how you know uh, Garantano would would tell him you know different things in the uh, in the offense he's like go over formations and and Cheney you know quizzes him and things like that so uh, for whatever reason, he's not able to go through all his progressions, find those open receivers. He's also that that him being tied up mentally makes him late on a lot of throws as well. He he missed Jawan Jennings. He actually audible to that play, and he audibled into a good play 
but he was so late in delivery, he allowed the defender to come over and, and knock that pass down. He's late on a lot of throws, and that's, to me, overthinking things instead of the game is he's got a lot of stress for whatever reason and the game is just not he's not playing the position naturally and freely and confidently you watch joe burrow and and you see how in control he is of everything and he's able to to execute and be accurate he's in total command and it allows him to be himself also Jerry Garantano, I, I think, is just for whatever reason, he is mentally, he is tied up to where he can't freely play the game of football loose because everything is a sort of an overanalyzing type of thing. And and we've heard that that's kind of his personality as well. Will that change? I don't know. We got to give him a little bit more time because the other guys haven't played yet. I didn't see that much of that last year. I think part of it is trying to figure out what Cheney wants him to do. Right, I think that's a part of it, and he probably may want want to please Cheney so much that he may be overthinking his position. Mm-hmm. We sure do appreciate it, Justin. Let's get a call up next. It's Doug. You're on Sports Talk. Hello, Doug. Good afternoon, gentlemen. Good afternoon. I didn't get a chance to listen to you yesterday. I don't know if you mentioned that uh, text I sent you about the uh, Brigham Young wide receiver on the big play. Yeah, I was saw it where star. he was where he was ranked. Yeah. Yes, he he was a two star and had only one other. I did have a really a major college offer outside of Brigham Young, and he just blew right by our two high four stars like they didn't know he was out there. So that's kind of the story of Tennessee football the last ten years. But anyway, the reason I was calling one thing I noticed up there is just a regular fan. It seemed like to be our wide receivers particularly did not get any yardage after the first hit. And I was kind of uh, uh, satisfied to hear that Tim Irwin actually mentioned that Sunday morning. And I think the best example of that was the fourth and one, where I, was it Jordan that ran the reverse? And he had one guy out there. And, I mean, I don't expect Josh Palmer, him to right? Palmer, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I don't expect him to just completely make the guy miss and go for a touchdown, but – I mean, to not make one more yard in that situation was pretty pitiful. And I, I'd like to go back and watch the tape. I bet there was at least eight times like that where their defensive back, one-on-one with our wide receiver, most of the time, maybe uh, back, just brought him right down. And like I said, if Tim Irwin, <laughs> if Tim Irwin says it, which he did, then I, I think there's something there. But we've known this has been a question mark about this wide receiving group. Do they have – a guy, a make-you-miss guy in that group. They've got big receivers. They've got guys that can make catches over the middle. I don't know that they've got an explosive game-changer. Now, Jacquez Jones, He's everyone talks about him being the fastest guy. He had the that one successful uh, end-around jet sweep, whatever, uh, the first time it worked. And Jeremy Pruitt said, oh, we did it, we did it once before. It's the same thing. Well, it wasn't the same thing because – that the first time it worked, it wasn't on fourth down. It wasn't on fourth and one. Also, they ran it with Jones the first time when it went for eleven yards. They ran it with Palmer the second time, so it wasn't the exact same mm-hmm. thing. But Jones just hasn't been able to get a big enough role on the on the the team on the field. It just don't have that that make you miss type of guy. Well, and Jennings breaks a lot of tackles now. He does, but yeah. not in in terms of 
you know, get away from you type of thing, elusiveness in the open field. He he that he just wills his way, right. and he's physical too. So mm-hmm. that what I, I guess either Good way job. is you'll take it. But uh, but that that's something that misses. And I say uh, I'll say this too, Jerry Garantano. Sometimes with his throws, especially in the flat, uh, when he's late, he is he doesn't lead guys to always allow them yards after contact so they can in stride keep moving. Sometimes guys have to wait on the ball a little bit low, and then that little bit of delay allows the defense to come in a position to make some tackles. So at times that is, not every time, but at times that's also a factor. Sure. And one warning sign outside of UTC, that's probably the slowest secondary we'll play this year. See you guys. Sure do appreciate it, Doug. We'll get a break. We've got one more segment with Vince Ferrara coming up. A final segment, hour number two of Sports Talk is next. Tell the truth. Isn't this better than hearing Boston's more than a feeling for the 10,000th time? 99.1, the sports animal. Final segment to this hour of Sports Talk, a final segment with Vince Ferrara. It's Damian who joins us next. Hello, Damian. How you doing, guys? Doing well. Thanks for hanging on. Awesome. Um, I was watching the uh, the Texans-New Orleans game, and it kind of reminded me a little bit of the uh, Georgia State-Tennessee game, giving up the big play there at the end to uh, you know come back to uh, make a win. Um, I just got a quick question for you guys. Um, if you all are uh, Garantano's coach, um, going into uh, the UTC game, um, more so the Florida game, what are you saying to him? What are you going to work on with him the most in practice and going into games? What are you going to? Are you going to try to let him take the role, or are you going to take the role over yourself and try and um, just try to make him become more of a leader, uh, more more consistent? Um, when he's making bad passes down the field to Jennings, uh, to Callaway, um, do we only have the one leader? Is Callaway and Jennings running up and smacking him on the high end, saying, you know, let's go pick it up. Um, I, I just don't feel like we need just one leader on the team. We need guys um, putting the effort in as much as we can. Um, but I'll hang up, let you guys respond. Appreciate the time. All right, Damian, thank you. Vince, I got three issues with where Garantano is right now. Mm. Field vision, timing, accuracy. So if I'm his coach, I'm going to try to work on that and make sure he knows what to do. And if I've got to simplify something or whatever I have to do, I think those are the three things right now that are holding him back. Yeah. You you have the stories of, of how Coach Cutcliffe has worked with his quarterbacks, and mm-hmm. it's like, let's sit and watch this film. What are you thinking right here? Here's what we're seeing. What are you seeing? Why did you make this choice? Why did you make that choice? And and everything's on the table, whether it be footwork, mechanics in terms of your arm, um, how you do your drop. Everything's on the table when it comes to we need to get you right. Well, I, I think it is it is work. It's continuing the film room work. And you know, maybe it's going to take them on the on the practice field. Uh, you know, maybe Jim Chaney spending a little bit more time with them than than just Chris Winkie. And I'm not saying Chris Winkie isn't doing his job. I, I think Chris Winkie is a terrific resource for him. But I, I don't I don't think the answer is just bench him. I, I think because those other guys don't have experience. And if you think that 
he's locking in on receivers. That's a, a regular trait of a of a young quarterback too. Um, and then another thing that the that bothers me too, Jimmy, is when Garantano gets pressure, it's a it's sort of a panic reaction to it. It's not you see the the successful quarterbacks slide in the pocket, step up in the pocket. I think he actually used to do that more. This year it's a total bailout, spin out type of panic move in the pocket. And I think then that destroys a lot of your opportunity to continue your progressions. It's an immediate end of all your progressions. Now it's just scramble mode and hope that somebody can help you out. Um, so I, I think it is, it is dicey because I don't think I think he's putting in the work. He probably recognizes the things that the coaching staff talked to him about in those film sessions. It's just not being applied on the field in games. Vince, what's going on these days at Sports Radio WNML.com. Ton uh um my thoughts on the BYU game laid out a lot of different scenarios, some photos that you can check out as well, some screenshots from the game. Uh, tons of stuff that we didn't uh, we didn't talk about today that you can see in my blog, uh, Jimmy's blog on uh, on a regular basis as well, presented by Big Kahuna Wings. Uh, also predictions and uh, SEC, NFL, uh, tons of of content. Uh, all the post game, all the player interviews from today. Just go to the video section. You can find all those interviews from today. Uh, just countless stuff. Go to the show section, vol section. It's it's all there. Nine and seven, week one of the NFL. That's a tough one, simply for the fact that you've got all of the preseason build up. So nine and seven, solid. You hit sixty three percent of your NFL picks all of last season. Thirteen and zero in your Southeastern Conference picks this past week. Twenty two and four on I mean, the season. Eighty five percent. I thought the uh, the parade memes were a little much, but other than that. <laughs> You got to get him in while you can, Jimmy. Once conference play starts, it's a little bit more difficult. So, brag, give the brag bag like sure SEC when you when you can. But uh, I appreciate. It. Yeah, it was fun. And you also get uh, mm-hmm. Fulton and AE this week. Yeah, on Friday night we'll be on both because the Catholic only is game on. in town. How about that? Yeah, ninety nine point one and AM nine ninety. Uh, love working with Don Mahoney. If you haven't heard any of him be as an analyst, he's doing a fantastic job. He's a super guy. And uh, just been a natural at it. So we'll have uh, two rivals, Fulton and Austin East, is coming Friday night. Hope everybody will check it out. Vince, always appreciate it. Thank you very much. Thanks, guys. We'll get a break. Up next, hour number three of Sports Talk.